So we were we were uh, challenged, I hope, this week. And in, in, if you have Tozer's book and you you read the chapter on God's love, I, I hope I hope we were we were challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and because uh, why why should we have been challenged? Was anybody challenged? And and if you were challenged, what were you challenged with? In thinking about or reading about God's love as as an attribute of God. Hmm. Well, for one thing, I think it's uh, it's like the song we sing. There's no way in our language, human language, that we can describe it. I think that Moses has done a good job of presenting what we can know about the love of God, and that is tremendous. Just like I love that with my wife's favorite. It was sung in her funeral service. But it, it, it tells the whole story. It does tell the whole story. And so here we here we have the song that talks about if the oceans were filled with ink and the skies were all parchment, there wouldn't be enough to go around to, to, to yeah. describe the love of God, Mark. Um, I, I think what there were two things I think that uh, impressed me in reading the chapter was one that when you look at all the attributes of God, that it is God's love that permeates them all. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all of his other attributes are done in the context of love. And that's that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing was kind of the whole, you know, you spent a lot of time kind of talking about um, and I, uh, I forget the exact wording, but kind of the, the orientation and, and I guess in a sense it almost comes down to the kind of a, a election and choice that we have in receiving him, you know, but that there are, you know, those who are, are inclined to towards that love and those who are inclined away from that love, you know. And um, I, I think the way that he articulated that was um, kind of, I don't want to say novel, but sort of got me thinking, you know, about it's interesting. I, I, I like that that, that God's love uh, really uh, permeates all of His other attributes. Made me wonder if, if um, Tozer, in his mindset, was thinking about that as he saved God's love for the last chapter in his, in his book. Um, and, and as I was thinking about that this week, uh, it was very clear. Uh, and, and of course, he, he had a few things to say about that. And as a matter of fact, uh, if you if we, and we're going to tonight, we're going to take a look at this this uh, scripture. He gives one scripture reference, um, and it's a lengthy one, and uh, and it's it's really interesting. We're going to we're going to read it and we're going to try to pull it apart just a little bit because I think it 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 uh, it, it goes to what what you just said, Mark, relative to to uh, God's love uh, permeates everything. Mm-hmm. And, and so God's love then all of a sudden becomes not so much an attribute of God but the absolute nature of God in mm-hmm. some sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so Scripture tells us a little bit about that. Now, when we, when we take a look at this uh, description, I'm going to have somebody with a booming voice read it. Um, 
Uh, and then we'll, we'll keep our finger here because we're going to ask a few questions about this about this scripture. This whole chapter on God's love is built around this scripture, essentially. Uh, these these uh, these 14 verses. Now, uh, because I'm wired this way, I, I decided I better take a look at, at, at these 14 verses. And when I did, I discovered there was 321 words in the NIV in these 14 verses. And love, loves, or loved is used 26 times. And God, or a reference to God, who God is, God or Christ uh, or Him, uh, is used 33 times. And so we have 59 references in these in these 321 words, which is 18% of the words are either love or God. <laughs> Sorry for my analytical side, but... Um, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about that because I'm reading through this. And it's the first time I've really taken this, these verses and, and dissected them. Um, I've read them many times, but I've never dissected them. That's what study is. And uh, 18% of the words used are either love or God. Now I got a handle on why Tozer decided to choose these seven verses to talk about God's love and try to do it some justice. So, somebody who has a nice booming voice that everybody can hear that would read these 14 verses and then we're going to circle back around with some questions. Looking for a volunteer? Joanne wants to do it. A reader, of course. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, and readeth for God is love. And this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the, to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love of God, the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother. Wow. Those are some wow verses because as we look at 
this attribute or this nature of God that is love, what are the truths that are revealed to us in just these scriptures about God's love? What truths are revealed to us? Well, one thing that I learned was you say God is love, but you can't say love is God. His, one of his emotional, how did he express it? One of his emotional attributes, but it is not who God is. That was very well put, I thought, by Tozer in terms of trying to identify that um, that uh, God is love, but then he reversed it, didn't he? Yeah. Because we have a lot of philosophical thought. This is a perfect valley okay. to go to. Any, there's many places that you can go in this valley where you could take what Tozer suggested, which is not being able to reverse that truth. God is love, and love is God. Love is God is a philosophical thought that you would find at Meditation Mount and Cortona Institute and uh, virtually every place where somebody is sympathetic uh, and has a, a nice uh, statue of a Buddha which are, is very popular uh, in lots of places um, uh, there, there are a number of philosophical thoughts that would, that would lead you there, right? But is that what scripture teaches? No So what truth does scripture teach? What, just, I mean just read the first few verses what, what jumps out at you? What truths about God's love are revealed here? There are many Okay. Okay. If we love, God is in us. And what else? Okay. We can love God. We can love others because God's love is in us. Because God is in us, according to according to First John. What else? He sent his son to show us his love. That is a truth about love that is revealed in these scriptures. What else? Well, I think one of the things that really jumped out at me is it occurred several times and there is no fear of God. And he went into a lot of detail. Ah, we're going to talk about that fear in a minute. That's interesting because uh, when we talk about that in a few minutes, we're going to talk about that, that biblical truth and the application of that truth. There is no fear in love. Really? Really? Do we live that way? Do we make decisions based on that? I mean, we, uh, that, that'll be a little bit kind of fun and, and I think revealing to dissect that just a little bit. But what are the, just take a, take a look at, for example, at, at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. What truth about God's love is revealed in that one? Okay. Okay. So it, it, in 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 these scripture verses here, we see a contrast, don't we? We there's the there's the if and the and the but. <laughs> yeah, or the if and the if then, or if then not. 
Uh, it's really interesting. Um, how about, uh, do you see that we're commanded to love? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where does love come from? God. Okay. These are truths that are revealed through Scripture. So there is revelation that takes place through God's Word. Um, and uh, how, how is God's love proved then? Well, as a father, I mean, any parent who actually loves is going to do anything for their children, and he died on the cross for his children. Okay. Showing perfect love. Okay, he showed perfect love, and according to these scriptures, how, what proof is given that God loves us? That God is love? Verse 10 pretty much says that, but that he loved us. And sent his son. Okay. Um, uh, what about verse 14? Does that give us any proof of God, God is love? It's the same. It's the same basic. It's the same, it's the same idea. So he says it again. Okay. And so, uh, and verse 16, we say this, we see the same thing. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. We know and rely. There is a sense is this uh, connection between love and trust that we're going to look at in just a minute. And, and what other truths or observations uh, do you see about uh, uh, about God's love in this short 14 verse scripture reading? Robert? Well, I think um, it stands out that love is not a static thing. It's not a uh, emotion that just is an emotion without anything springing from it. Springboard for a real action. For action, okay. We were talking uh, last week or the week before about words if they're used as a verb or an adjective, and um, and, and love is one of one of those words, uh, and, and I think it's important to understand that that biblically. What 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 is it about uh, loving God? How how do we um, uh, what is the what is the response? To God's love, <coughs> there's two responses that are possible to to God's love. Okay. okay. Accept or reject. There's only two things that you can do with it. The obedience means you've already accepted it. So you can either accept or reject God's love. And so with God and love, are those two things <coughs> clearly connected? Yeah, clearly. I mean, come on. This is pretty. This is pretty rudimentary, right? It's pretty basic stuff. God is love. And so, um, how about verse 9? It tells us how to live. What does that say? Yeah, we should live through Christ. How are we doing with that? <laughs> okay, we should live through Christ. There are a whole lot of truths, and the whole point of this is that, is that we, we see Tozer here taking this... 14 verse scripture and using it as just one place in scripture and there are many of course (coughs) to identify that God is love and that it is his nature and it is an attribute. Scotty? In verse 10 it says not that we have loved God so God has love 
whether we love him or not, or we, you know, he gave his son, even though there are some of us, I'm not in this room per se, but some that don't have a love for God, he still gave his son so that they could have eternal life if they chose it. If they chose it. And so that raises the next, what's the next logical question that comes from that? <coughs> So instead of asking you to give, instead of me asking the question and you giving the answer, what's the next logical question that comes from that? What? What is your choice? Okay, but from God's perspective, what's the what's the next logical question? Does God? Mark said earlier that that uh, God is love. It's his it's his nature. It's an attribute, and it's his nature, and it, and, that, and that love overlays all of his other attributes. And so, so how does God see everybody? Not just you, you, you single out the people in this room. What about? Well, he loves everybody. Oh, okay. So he loves everybody. He loves his whole creation. Okay. He loves his whole creation. We're going to see that in a minute as well. So Tozer says in his book that God is love, but this is not a definition of God. <coughs> but he also says that everything God is and does is out of love, and that God can do nothing except that he does it out of love. That's kind of what. Mark, what you were saying. How can you reconcile those two things? That love, that God is love is not a definition of God. We're not def- he says you're not defining God by saying God is love. We like definitions, though, don't we? You can go back and say it's an attribute. Okay, you can say it's an, an attribute. apply to all the other attributes, but it's an attribute. So it's not a definition, he says, but he also says that it is, uh, that God can do nothing except that he do it out of love. So if it's not a definition, but yet God can't do anything, least it be out of love, h- how, do you, how do you reconcile those two things? Uh, is love one of those? I hope so. 
I hope so. Okay. All right. If we're in Him, we have some of our love. So, so can you reckon? Can you reconcile it? Can you define love? Can you define love? Tozer says that God is love, but that's not the definition of God. So my question is: Is can you define love then? Yeah, I, I think those are two different questions. Yes, they are. But let's start with the one: Can you define love? Yeah, I, I think in first. I mean, from our perspective, I think that the definition of love mm-hmm. is God having sent His Son to save us. Okay. Ultimate act of love. Okay. And maybe that's not a definition; it's the proof. Ah, okay. Proof or definition? Let's go there for a minute. So Mark says that uh, it could be a definition of God that God sent. His son to reconcile us to yeah, himself. Verse 10 says, okay. This is love. So I guess it depends how you interpret that. Is this a definition? Is this an exhibition? Is this a, you know, kind of what is that? But I guess that's where I was going. Okay, so you, and I sense that you were, you were going down the, the biblical love route because you're kind of a Jesus guy I know that and so having said that 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 would be that would be your focus right that would be your frame of reference and so uh, and we're trying to define love here so we've done this several times with some of the attributes of God are there two different are there different kinds of is there is there a God is there is there a definition of, of God being love God is love according to First John. Well, scripture is three different kinds of love. Okay, well, okay. There's three different kinds of love. We're gonna look at that in a second too. Okay. Um, uh, do you define it differently? Do, do you? Uh, I mean, the love that you have for your wife. I'm assuming you love your wife. Your wife. Yeah. She told me you did. So. Okay. I, I was pretty sure of that. So, um, uh, so that's one kind of love, and and we're trying to wrap our we're trying to wrap our head around this 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 definition of love, God's love, God is love, and just God's love. And this 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 songwriter here said that, you know, if we had the ocean full of ink and we were trying to write about it, but in the sky was a parchment, we there's not enough. There's, there's not enough. And that, that's hard to fathom, but it's all, that's a biblical truth. It's essentially essentially this is this is unsearchable, the, the depth of this love. Even even the, the, the full meaning of his love. And yet, Scripture says, God is love. Interesting. So, why don't we try defining love from... I was going to say, well, you can't really say what God is, but you can say what God, I mean, what love does. I mean, love is kind, love wants the best, the husband wants the best for his wife, and you want the best for your kids. Okay. So in fact, you'll lay yourself down, let them walk across the maybe ditch on top of you, let them get to the other side. Mm-hmm. Love, love. I mean, give me a cup full of love. You can't say that, but you can
uh, one of you know my, my favorite scriptures uh, is First Corinthians 13. You know, we call that the love chapter, right? But before we get there, why don't we take a look at what our friends at Webster say? Because you know I like that. Um, so here's so here's the secular definition of, of love, at least in 1957. Okay, I'm going to read it slowly because I want you I want this to sink in just a little bit because we are going to contrast this with what what uh, the Bible talks about in terms of First John. For trying to explain to us that God is love as an attribute and his nature. And then we're going to take a look, which is why I put them on the back of your sheets, your little handout sheets, those two scriptures so that we can compare them. Then it's going to, then we're going to talk about what love is by the biblical standard. Okay, and we'll deal with this from, a, from an adjective or a verb point of view. And then we're going to take a look at what Tozer looks at in, in terms of emotion and see if does God have emotion towards us based on the fact that God is love. So love, according to Webster, is affection based on admiration or benevolence. I want you to think about this from a biblical point of view. Affection based on admiration or benevolence, a warm attachment or devotion unselfish concern that freely accepts another in loyalty and seeks his good. I think Webster's is warming up a little here. Yeah, he's, he's warming up. <laughs> they're, they're warming up just a little, aren't they? The fatherly concern of God for man. Brotherly concern for others. Man's adoration for God or the affection and tenderness felt by lovers right out of the 57 letters now thoughts we just read this scripture about God being love love was used God and love were used 59 times in these 312 words talking about who God is? Yeah, who God is. God is love. What God is? Just talking about what God is? Come on. That's a question. Mm, don't think so. Mm -mm. Don't think so. Because if God is if God is love and if that's his nature. Is that what or who? Okay, it's a who. It's a who. And so as we look at this definition of love in Webster's, we're then confronted with the first Corinthians chapter on love. And and so if you flip your if you flip your your sheet over there, your song sheet over, we know this very well, don't we? If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong. Mark. Okay. So can you back up and Yes, we can. Before we before we get into first so, um, I guess I kind of think I know, I know what I think I think, but I'd be <laughs> curious about what you think. So, this is First uh, John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. I'm good. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Pause there. So now I, I look at um, first thing that comes to mind 
to my son. Mm-hmm. Ryan, who you know very well, not a believer. Um, we have a very loving relationship with him. Mm-hmm. He genuinely loves us as his parents. We love him as our son. Um, so without kind of giving you what I think my answer is. You know, <laughs> that so, so here is a young man who is not a believer, does not know God, and yet I would contend genuinely loves, you know, by Webster's definition, lots of those things. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it, this is not a, a fake or a whatever. You know, he genuinely loves us, and yet he does not know God. So, how do you reconcile that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a that's a, a really interesting question because if you look at it in the context, um, and just start with the beginning of verse seven, for example, it says, that "Dear friends, let us love one another." So that that that's command nature oriented language, okay? <coughs> and so the command is to love one another, and then and then through the power of the Spirit, he says this: "For where does love come from?" So love comes from God. So those that are not, those that are not, shall I just say godly, meaning that they don't have the love of God in them, have not perfect love. Because we also have to see that the whole of Scripture has to be taken in concert with one another. And we see later on about the perfect love of God. And so if we are to love God in response... To him first loving us, that is a step towards a perfect love because that is God in us. But those that are not in Christ, for example, can they love? Sure, they can have a Webster's love, without a doubt. They can be very loving. I, uh, you have a son. I have a wife. You have a wife. Yeah. I, my wife loves me. I love my wife. Um, there's absolutely no question about that. But there is a there is a chasm. There is a chasm, and throughout Scripture we see that chasm, or in terms of how God, uh, what He expects of us in terms of interacting with one another. Who does He put first in the priority in terms of of, of relationships? The church always comes first. Well, that can be painful when you have a loving son. Or a loving wife that isn't a believer. That's a real challenge, isn't it? And yet, Scripture talks about so that you know, that's my position. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you're, it's it's either an in Christ perfect love because God is in us, according to First John, or it isn't. And so, so there really is, a, in that sense, a secularness to, to love and, 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 and not, not a godly love. Mm-hmm. And yet, it's, on the human emotion side, it's very real, isn't it? Right. Very, very real. Yeah, no, totally. And, and I guess I would add, I agree with what you just said and kind of add to that, that I think that there's a component of all human beings having been made in the image of God that carries with it a capacity, I guess I'll say, imperfectly. Yes. And, and I think maybe that's the distinction, is imperfect versus a perfect love, you know, that comes to those 
create all of us created in God's image versus those who have been saved and regenerated and are indwelled by the Holy Spirit and through that able to experience that perfect love of God. Yeah, amen. And in fact, if you take a look at, at verse 19, it says, We love. Why? Because God first loved us. If God hadn't first loved us, if we if we loved Him first, then what? Well, you know that that would be that would be impossible. He wouldn't be God. So we love, and what is it then that we did because God loved us? We responded. And there are those that have responded to God's love, and those that haven't. And there are very wonderful moral people all around us in our families and our friends and, 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 and associates that, 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 are, that are very loving. I know some very loving people that are far from God. Far from God. And so love can exist, but can the perfect love of God exist? Or can God's... It also says that, that, um, that we are to live... How? Through Him. Christ Jesus. The atonement for our sin based on love in God's plan and will for us made perfect through Christ who we are who, who we are to, to live through him in this world it's a, that's the power of, 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 these, of these verses here we have 14 verses you talk about the gospel here it is here's the gospel in 1 John we need you on this for a long time. There is a lot of power in this. And so, and we struggle on the human level with that love, though, don't we? Because we love family members that are, that, that are not in Christ, that are not saved. And, 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 I, and I hope we're quite motivated to live through Christ as an example, hopefully, and yet we have no responsibility to that. We, we can no more make a choice for somebody. Right? We can't do it. It's impossible. And so we, we see in our humanness, we have this dictionary called the Webster's and we look at it and we try to define this love and this love is, is a lot of it is about affection and about loyalty and, and there's truth to that. There's some truth to that. There's even biblical truth in here. A fatherly concern of God for man. Well, yeah, okay. Sort of getting warm. Okay. Um, but I think First John 4, 7 through 21 does a much better job. By, by definition, if we're trying to define and or measure these things, and so if we can, if we go to First Corinthians, then we talk, we we look at First uh, First Corinthians, and Joanne was talking about how how this is kind of a definition, but more of a description, isn't it? And so we we see that the first part of First Corinthians 13, starting in verse one, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I'm nothing. Okay, uh, it says if I have the gift of prophecy, I just love this. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries, all mysteries, and I have all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, <laughs> that's a wonderful word picture of somebody that is strong in the faith. You know, all, 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 but do not have love. I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Or in other versions, I profit nothing. Reminds me of the rich young ruler um, that, that when Jesus said, hey, go, go back, sell all your stuff, and follow me. 
What was his motivation? Well, it wasn't love. He was just interested in what he was going to get out of the deal, right? And so he, 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 that wasn't loving. That wasn't loving. And so he went away, of course, was very upset. He was very sad. So, so, you know, God's character is love. We see that. And so now here comes a description. What is it, the definition? Love is patient. We know this one well. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. We don't have to read them all. We know about that, right? It never fails. These are, this is a great description of love. Adjectives or verbs used? I did a little bit of study in the Greek, and it's very hard, because I can't speak Greek, <laughs> nor can I read it. But in the original language, all of the words used in this in, in these passages here, are, they're all action words, aren't they? It requires to, it's, they're, they're doing something. You're being kind, you're being patient. You're not envying, you're not being boastful. There's a lot of, there's a lot of action words here describing what love is. But, that's, but is that, does that define it? Or is love more of a feeling? Is there emotion associated? If we have love, these are the things that we do or don't do according to Okay, so if we have love, these are things that this is how it should manifest. Does it? Not always. <laughs> yes. That if, if you have, yes, if you have love. What? Let me ask you this, Kat. If you, what kind of love do you have to have to, to be patient and kind and not be envious and never boasting and not being proud and never dishonoring others and not being self-seeking or easily angered and keeping no records of wrong? Because I know all of us, we've never kept a record of a wrong from somebody that we love ever. And it doesn't delight in evil, but we just what kind of love do you have to have for it to look like that? You can't say anything. We're having a private conversation here, me and your wife. But what kind of love do you have to have for it to, to, to look like that? Godly love. God's what? God's perfect love. Okay, so so in, in God's perfect love. Would you agree with that? You're smiling a lot. <laughs> is that is is that God's perfect love then? Well, I do think people could probably do some of this like novelty. I do think they could. I mean, this is this is like a, this is a. I think this exemplifies how you are to show love. I do think that you don't have to have God's love. other people above yourself to do that 
totally concur. I know people that are not uh, that are not saved. They, these are not born again people, and I know people like that that have the patience of Job in the context of a loving relationship. They have been putting up with stuff patiently. Now I don't know intimately what goes on behind closed doors, but from the out from an outsider looking to the inside, they appear to be one of the, the most patient people I've ever I've ever known. And um, and they're not they're not believers. So I would absolutely can can you exhibit some of these attributes personally without the infilling of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. It's still a choice. It's still a choice. But what do you need to do this consistently for for your love to be demonstrated this way? One of the things that I really love about this group is the demographics. Because the, the great part... And I, and <laughs> I thought you were going to say humility. <laughs> oh, that's the word. That's, that is the word. Oh. That you need that help, that humble, being humble. Okay. <laughs> okay. It do, and it does help. And so, and so here we're talking about what's, what's the difference... Uh, if, if, you're, if you're comparing... What, um, uh, what, how God is speaking to you through the First Corinthians 13 uh, description of love, if you will, and the First John uh, description of who God is. Um, how do you compare those two? Similar, different, parallel. Okay. Clearly, you can't do that on your own. Other observations between those two scriptures? They're talking about the same topic, love. Ours can only be imperfect. Ours can only be imperfect. Compared to, to God's perfect love. Compared to God's perfect love. Sometimes it's it's a, little, it's a little confusing because it, it does say that uh, love is from God, whoever loves, knows God, and who does not love, does not know God. But does it mean not know God or not know of God? Because the, the devil knows God. Is, does he love? Do his demons love? I mean, surely they love to torment people. So we would. And we have to be careful because we, we have to be careful as we read and 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 we interpret what what um, what God's word is telling us here. My, my point in asking that question is simple, simply this: that 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 we we're we're contemplating the incomprehensible here in First John in terms of who God is in terms of His love. 
And so, uh, so you know, through the through the through the Spirit's guidance here, we have this 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 letter, uh, and it's talking about who God is, and 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 the and the relationship between God and and us. And then in First Corinthians, we're seeing a discussion about love and what it looks like. Filled or unfilled with the Holy Spirit is still a biblical truth. The biblical truth is, is that is that love is patient and love is kind and love doesn't envy and so on and so forth. And so the comparison between the two is one is talking about who God is and the other is talking about what God what what God expects love to look like if you are if if you are a, a, a follower of Jesus Christ, if you are if you are saved, if you are, are born again, because as you try to as you try to manifest this kind of love in your own strength, you're 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 done. It's not going to happen. Could parts of it happen? Sure, absolutely. But the difference, the contrast is who God is and what love looks like in our lives. But because God is defining. God's word is defining what God's what what love looks like, how it manifests in kindness and uh, patience and all of these these attributes of somebody that is loving. Does God have those attributes? Is that who He is? As God is love, patient and kind, not envious and not proud and not self-serving. Robert? Yes. 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 And we say, you know, real love, real love, real love, real love. And I remember after I first got saved that I I began to reminisce and and my mother died when I was 15 and I left a profound impact in my life because of her love, really, for us, for the four of us boys. That she was taking care of on her own. My folks were divorced and my dad just abandoned the whole family. But in any case, I remember thinking how my mother kind of introduced me to what God then later showed me in a much deeper and profound way. It was this real love. And to really know that Jesus loved you even more than just laying down his life as a human would lay down his life for another. It was the love that would take upon him the sin of my life and the world and be punished and experience hell and go through it all in order that I might be forgiven and have the righteousness. And that is the real love. And we're being made in the image of Christ so everything that the Spirit is doing within us is promoting and producing the love attributes that we're finding here in this country. Wow. Powerful. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, speaking of that, as your mother was sharing this with you and were pointing some things out to you that later God revealed in a more profound and, and deep way, and it's and we put the words to it, and yet do we really comprehend that? No, I, I suggest we apprehend without comprehending, right? But but Tozer then talks about, and we should explore just a little bit, this emotional component of love. So what kind of love? There's three types of love, is what Tim was, was saying, right, Tim? You remember what they are? Paleo, agape, eros love. Okay, so we know what kind of love that is. So paleo love is that Philadelphia brotherly love stuff, right? And agape love is that self-sacrificial love stuff, 
right? And, oh, what's the third one? What is that? Okay, that's the love that is reserved for a man and a woman in a, mar- in a marital context as designed by God. And so, uh, is there then an emotional component to love? Yes. Is there an emotional component to God's love? No. No. I have a no. I have a head-shaking yes. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> so. My head is I'm just pointing generally at that. That's a, that's a y'all's head. Y'all's head was doing that. Mark would like me to take the fall. I, I, I don't know if you were shaking your head yes or you're just falling asleep. Or something. <laughs> that was kind of a bobbing thing going on there. So, um, okay. So let's so let's talk about that. So uh, so there's an emotional component to to our love, right? Okay. There's. A, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. And it reminds me of the story. I was um, when I got when I got. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know if you guys are superstitious. I sure hope not. Um, I don't believe in superstition or love. But uh, I was getting married on May 10th, 1975, and I was at my wife's house. There she was, my wife did. Um, and, uh, and there's this, uh, and you, you talk about the emotion of, of love. Um, and so on the, on the human level, uh, to, this, to this very moment when I think about this, uh, I took a picture. You're not supposed to, the bride and the groom are not supposed to see each other on the day they get married, right? So, that was 18 years old, what did I know? So anyway, I was at her house, uh, and she's getting ready uh, for our wedding day. And uh, she's in her, I spent a lot of time over there at her house, and she's in the bathroom, and she's doing her hair. Now, this is a woman that, you know, she's like four inches taller than me, and she's tall, and she's skinny, and she's got these bangs like here, and I, I, I'm just madly in love with this girl. And I'm marrying her that day. I'm like freaked out because I'm marrying her. And uh, I have a camera. I still have this picture. And, and I'm, I've just floods back these awesome memories. She's standing in the bathroom, and, I, and, the, and the door's cracked open this far. So I stuck the camera in the door and cracked open that far, and I took a picture. And, and I have very few pictures of my wife because she hates having a picture taken. And it's from the back, but she's looking in the mirror. And so, and there's her face. And she's, and she's doing her hair. Well, all she had to do was comb her hair. And there's this beautiful 19-year-old woman. That I'm, ma- I'm going to marry her in like three hours. And I'm taking this picture. She has no idea that I'm taking the picture. I didn't share it with her until after I had it developed. To this day, that, that evokes emotion. And it, it brings a... I love this woman. And that picture just brings it back like I mean like a heart attack and it's it's amazing uh, I can get emotional over that silly picture from 40 years ago 40 years ago and so I'm wondering if there isn't that kind of emotion no yes um, that God has for us if God is love if he loves us with the depth of first John 4, is there emotion? If we do, he must have to. He made us in his likeness. He made us in his likeness. But I don't think it's the same type of emotion that we have. Because he has perfect love and we're imperfect. 
okay, maybe not, maybe not the same kind. The question is, is he have the same kind? Do you think that the God has, uh, is there an emotional component to God's love for us? I'm going to destroy the city. What if there are 50 good people? What if there are 45 good people? What if, you know, it goes on like that. There's, there are several examples of mm-hmm. what I call emotion. Yeah, you can go back even earlier than that. According to Tozer, you can go back and you can take a look at the at the at the creation where he, he was creating all this stuff, and and you got to I have this, this this picture in my mind of God. Oh boy, that's good. That's that's good. Our and emotions he, come and go. Our emotions come and go. Yeah, and God is the same. Uh, Does he have emotion? Yes. Okay. Okay. And what did he say? Yeah, but what did he say after he created men? Oh, no, he said it's very good. See, right at the beginning, we're, we're, we're faced with this God that created. the. He created the world. Are you kidding me? All the cosmos, all this stuff that nobody can ever or will ever figure out. And then he created mankind. He said, we'll create him in our image. And he did. And then said, oh, this is very good. Okay, but that excuse me that's 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 huge. Uh, turn to Psalm. We got to go here. Turn to Psalm uh, one hundred four thirty one. Because I sent you backing off of your no comment because you're what you're classifying it in terms of the same kind of emotion that we have. Okay. Well, let's take a look. Psalm one hundred four. I don't think we can compare ourselves with God or with emotions or his feelings because. Yeah, there's no question about that, and yet, and yet he. Okay, we're made in His image. Very good. Okay, and you're feeling confident about that. Okay, then let's read Psalm 104:31, and let's see if God is a God of emotion. 104.31. Somebody. May the glory of God endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. What? Rejoice. What is rejoicing? That's an emotion. Okay. It's emotion. Yeah. I mean, she's not even here. I, I, I'll say it anyway. You know, I can just... Just remembering that story about taking a picture of my wife in the in the, in the hall bathroom, you know, uh, when I wasn't even supposed to be there. Um, I, I mean, I can I, to this day I can rejoice. It, 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 it's it's an emotional thing. I can I can rejoice over the fact that you know that happened 40 years ago, and I and I still I still I mean it's different because it's you know I mean, she's an old woman now, but. She would understand. I, oh, yeah, she would. <laughs> But it still evokes the same emotion, and I can rejoice over that. Rejoicing is an emotion. And then, and then, uh, what about this obscure uh, scripture that I have listed next? What are we going to find God's emotion in Zephaniah? He's speaking about the restoration of the remnant of Israel. By the way, just by context. So God is going to save a remnant of Israel, right? And then he says in Zephaniah 3.17. 
Go ahead, Ernie. I haven't got there yet. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah, because you got to find it. i got to find it. Okay. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will say, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Wow. <laughs> this is... We're talking about um, rejoicing here. Two scripture references that talk about God rejoicing and delighting in who? In singing. God singing. You haven't thought about that before. That's all right here. So if, if you're a literal interpret, interpreter here, it says that God is going to take great delight in you. And I like the NIV actually a little bit better because it's a thought for thought. And it says that he will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Oh, that's cool. Wow. This is the remnant that is going to be saved. You are saved. God is delighting over you, rejoicing over you with singing. God identifies with us out of love and he rejoices over us. And so he rejoices over us and he is a God of emotion. If he's not rejoicing over us, what else might he be doing over us? Mourning or... I was thinking about I was thinking about grieving. Okay, so we, we're you know we're we're confronted with that with the passage in Ephesians four, uh, and Ephesians four talks a lot about about God's love and building one another up, and and yet not not grieving the Holy Spirit. In fact, verse thirty in Ephesians four says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption." The whole context there is about. Living our life in Christ that is based on love for Jesus and each other. Robert? Now I was thinking of Jesus and, and his emotions as he walked this earth. And um, you can only uh, just take in that every emotion that he expressed was a pure emotion from God. Keyword there? Pure. This love of God, this attribute, this, this, I've struggled with even calling it an attribute of God, even though, even though Tozer calls it an attribute of God, and I'm wondering if it really is an attribute of God. And yet, and yet, and but I, but I, but I believe it is, because it's His very nature. And everything, I think Mark hit it right. We could have gone home right after Mark made that comment when we came in here because, quite frankly, it is all about that. It overlays everything God is, says, does, will do, has ever done, will always be. Love, 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 love. The, the whole of Scripture is, as you've heard it said, that it's a, it's a, it's a love story for, for us. God loving us. Sending Christ, we don't deserve it. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, everything is overlaid with the love of God. Everything He is and everything He does, to the extent that it's quite frankly very difficult to try to define and or even explain it because we can't because we have the human component. And the human component is is that I'm I I love my wife, 
and um, you know, and and this is a loving church, and uh, you know, Mark and Kathy, they love their son, and um, and the circumstances are meaningless, quite frankly. They're totally meaningless on the human level. Uh, there's nothing that that Ryan is going to do. There's nothing that my wife is going to do. I I can I'm as sure as I'm sitting here. There's nothing they're going to do that is going to stop me from loving them. I might not like them very much at the moment, but I am not going to stop loving them. And so, uh, and so here we see this this God of all creation, this 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 God that we. I mean, we, we struggle. We have His Word, and He reveals it to us, and yet it's hard to put the words around it for us to completely understand it because we tend to want to, to define it in, in human terms because that's what we're used to. That's where we live. And yet, there is some of that because that is part of His attributes. God is an emotional God. He loves us and cares so deeply for us that when we do things, when we sin, it grieves Him deeply. There's an emotion to it. And so when we, we can we can hurt God, we can grieve God, and yet there is nothing that will stop God from loving us with a love that goes beyond anything that we can comprehend because it is his nature. He is incapable of being any other way. That is immutable. His love is immutable, never changing. Right? Right. When we talked about the fear, we close with this. We talked about the the fear in in verse four eighteen of First John. Oh, Doris is. Yes, it's perfectly loving. I, I, you know, in reading in both reading Tozer and Pink over the last several months. Um, it, it was it was written kind of this way. Uh, so uh, we're, we'll probably find out. That I, I, I don't get it. I'm completely clueless. But we'll probably figure out, and it will be revealed to us at some point, that for those that choose to reject Jesus Christ, that God allowing uh, and, and his, uh, uh, with his full knowledge, um, that the last place that they would want to be is in heaven, in heaven with a whole bunch of people that are absolutely you know, sold out followers of Jesus Christ. If they don't want to do it here, why would they want to do it there? Now, I don't know that that's the case. I've heard it, I've heard it spoken of in those terms. But, um, uh, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a place for everybody. I think even Tozer said that. There's a place for everybody. And so... Um, but speaking of, of places, did anybody struggle with or work through the First John passage that talked about there being no fear in love? Because we talk about love, we talk about human love, we talk about Christ's love, we talk about God is love, we talk about that God, His nature, frankly, that is His nature, and then there is no fear in love. Anybody work through that? Anybody have any fears? Mark, I gotta pick on you. You're a loving guy. I love you, brother, and I know you love me. It's been demonstrated now for years. Okay? Um, and there is no fear in love. Do you have any fears? Sure. <laughs> um, but it says that there is no fear in love, Mark. And you believe? Pardon me? Oh, well, I hadn't gotten that. No, that's the full sentence. There's a period there. 
Because what? Okay, so the whole the whole verse in in the in the NIV, I think I took this out of the NIV. Uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, or some verse some versions say fear has to do with torment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So, do you have any fears? So, anybody try to work through this? Can you? you have any fears? Are you fearful of anything? Yeah, because I'm not perfect. Oh, because you're not. You're not perfect? Okay. So, um, it says, but perfect love drives out fear. You're, are you suggesting you don't have perfect love? No, I know you're not perfect. I strive for it. Oh. Oh. Ooh. And the more you strive, the less fear you have. Okay, so the, m- the more the more you try to work towards that perfect love that God sent you, can I paraphrase and see if you agree? Yeah. So what you're saying is the more love you have, the less fear you have. Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tentatively, Doris. Well, says this dear friends let us love one another for love comes from God and everyone who has everyone everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God and then it says that there is no fear in love but perfect love that comes from where oh God comes from God yeah and then because fear has to do with torment I like the torment word better than the punishment word so I stole that out of the King James Okay, so, so because fear has to do with torment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So if you're having fear, does that mean you're not loving God enough? Or accepting it as his perfect love? Mm. That I don't think so. How about a parallel to being anxious for nothing? We all have some anxiety. Okay, there's some anxiety. As we grow in God's love, we have less anxiety. Well, Tozer says this. All real fear goes when we know that God loves us. All real fear goes when we know that God loves us. Because fear comes when we're in the hands of someone who does not will our good. God always wills our good. And God's love is perfect. And Tozer says that all real fear goes... When we know all real fear goes when we know that God loves us. So, you got to keep your eyes on Him in order for that fear to dissipate. So, Candy, how does that reconcile with what you just said? The more love you have, the less fear you have. You are how much how much of love, how much you trust in God's love. Oh, there's a trust component. Okay. So to apply God's love to yourself. You're you're told over and over it's there. But to accept it for yourself that you're actually 
Okay, so it's an appropriation issue. So it's it's how much you're accepting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, that's good. No, that's good. It's good to think about. So you got to keep your eyes on the Lord. You have to appropriate because how much how much of God's love has He given us? All of it. He didn't hold any back. Okay, so we have it there, and so there is no fear in love. And then Tozer says, all real fear goes away when we know that God loves us. So is there a fake fear? Huh? Is there a fake fear? <laughs> well, real fear and fake fear? Well, <laughs> is there? Probably. We'll probably create our own. Yeah, can you create your... Yeah, by fake, Scott, do you mean like imagined fear? So the question is that if we have, and we know the scripture about not not worrying, but we're not going to go there. So when when Tozer says that all real fear goes away when we know that God loves us, because why? Because fear comes when we're in the hands of someone who does not will our good, and God always wills our good. So the question is, whose hands are we in? Whose hands are we in? So what, what are you afraid of, Mark? What are you afraid of? Your source, and you're you're afraid when when uh, so you got your your thermometer. There's a little thing down here at the bottom with all the red stuff in it, and it goes up to the top. And trust up here at the top is you know goes up to like 100 right up there. And so when you when you when your trust is at 90, there's a little more fear. And when your trust is at 80, there's quite a bit more fear. And when when your trust isn't even out of a little bulb at the bottom, you're scared to death. Hmm. Well, you get self-will. Kind of but care of the situation yourself. Yeah, but why would you do that? Why would any of it? Because we're fallen humans. Oh, okay. So that, does that excuse it? Doesn't excuse it. Well, you already made a choice to 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 return God's love. You you accepted His love. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so why don't you just reject the fear and accept that there is no fear in love? Why How much love did He give you? Why often you do reject it when you acknowledge it? So love is connected to trust somehow. Love is connected to trust. Yes? Example. Somebody give me an example of love being connected to trust. That's not an example, that's a scripture reference. I want an example. Trusting that Jesus is who he said he was? What? Trusting that Jesus is who he said he was? Now I want an example. You're in a swimming pool and your child is jumping to you. So you open your arms and you jump because he knows that you love him and you're going to, he's going to jump into your arms. That's Tozer gave the example of a little kid being lost in the store and there's mom and it's like, woohoo! Just the sight. Okay? That was a, a woohoo moment. And so, okay, so now uh, what about, uh, what about, and anybody want to give an example? It might be too personal. Uh, 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 love and trust in this room? Too hard, isn't it? <laughs> I'll give you one. Since I'm picking on Mark a lot tonight, I'll, I'll give you one. 
Okay, uh, so you know, I said earlier, uh, it was public declaration, it's now been recorded, and you all heard it. And so I said, that I, I, I love that. Of course, that's easy because I love all of you. Um, that's simple, you make it easy. Okay, so, so I, I love him like a brother. Uh, we're connected in all kinds of different ways. Uh, and um, for quite some period of time, uh, uh, how far into, your, into my life are you? I'm not sure what you're asking. Okay, was, how, how far have I let you into my life? Um, quite a bit. Quite a ways. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. Why do I? Why would I do that? Because you trust. Me. Because I trust you, and that trust has been demonstrated. Because God tells me to love you. Because if the love of Christ is in me, I'm supposed to love you. It's a command. I take that seriously, so I go ahead and I do it. I have time with you. It's taken time. It didn't just happen the first day. I didn't meet you and say, "Oh, by the way, here's my life." <laughs> I didn't do that, right? Okay, so it, it took some time, and so, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you know a lot. You know, I mean, and so, but we do that. You, know, you can't do that with everybody, but but you, you do that in relationships, right? That's God. That's a picture of God's relationship with us. We're like, there it is. So we we spill it. So there is a connection, love and trust, and I think that's the that's the point. So will you trust God? If you will you will appropriate the love that he has already given you. It's already there. All you got to do is appropriate it, and that's where the fear will go away. Mike, it's the same thing. I mean, what did Jesus say? Do you love me? Of course I love you. Really? I mean, really? Well, I think I do. Most of the time, I'm pretty sure. Okay? But how does God love us? perfectly and completely. So why are we fearful? The last couple of scriptures that are on your list, you can just read them later on. In Romans 5 talks about, about being utterly helpless, but God shows us His great love by sending His Son. John 15 talks about, and here, I love this one, so this one's worthwhile sharing since we're just about done. John 15:13 says, uh, and this is out of the Living Bible. Sorry, Susan. This is out of the Living Bible, and it says, And here is how to measure it. Talking about love. And here is how to measure it. The greatest love is shown when a person lays down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you obey me, Jesus Christ. I like that measure it, because I'm an analytical type guy. I like to measure stuff. And of course, the same... Scripture in the NIV says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And then ultimately, the John 3.16, that everybody knows by heart, because you've all seen it at the football games. John 3.16. used to drive me nuts seeing those things until I became one of them. And then it didn't drive me nuts anymore because why would... Why would the truth drive you nuts? So, uh, <laughs> so, love is not merely an attribute of God. Love is God's nature. And there aren't words, to be perfectly frank with you, the inadequacy that I feel even trying to, to regurgitate what Tozer said and even try to, to pick through and, and interpret what 
First John and, and First Corinthians are, are saying here. Um, it's it's uh, it's a humbling thing because we don't have adequate words, and yet it's really exciting when you realize that God loves us so much that everything about Him is about us. <laughs> That's what love is. Every part. I don't. I don't. I don't know God that way. Later, but now I don't. I, I, it's, it's, it's beautiful, even attempted, except for to accept what He's already told us and what He's revealed to us. So let's just accept that because because it's 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 His nature. God is love. It's His nature, and love is, as Mark said. I wrote these down. Eternal, sovereign, infinite, immutable, holy, gracious, and perfect. That's what God's love is. And we could talk for the next 36 years and never do it justice. Which makes it hard to, to do it in an hour. Okay. I think our problem is that we base the love of God on people that we've run into during our own lives. How we didn't trust them until we do the same thing and have that same fear. It's a human circumstance, and what we forget to do is what Tozer said in his book, and I didn't want to bring this up, but now that you did, I have to. And that is that one of the reasons that we don't apprehend, or we 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 don't um, we don't just grab onto the fullness of God's love for us, is because we don't want to go deep. That's what I love about Wednesday night. You're here because you want to go deep. <laughs> and 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 the deepness is is filled with richness. It's filled with revelation. It's filled with it's it's filled with the uh, we we then begin to apprehend. We don't have to comprehend it. We begin to apprehend, and that's a supernatural thing. This this thing called God's love, and it changes everything. Because if it doesn't change everything, you got to ask yourself some hard questions about. What am I doing with it? What am I doing with this truth? Because that's outside the spirit. But God is awesome. And he's made provision for all of it. Because he first loved us. And we responded imperfectly as we do it. Amen?